fans and rule the galaxy fans it is joe in the pilot seat and uh you know we had such fun with adam bray the other day on a quick little rule the galaxy one-on-one chat that uh i thought we'd do the same thing with one of my favorite guys one of the guys who really got me even interested in doing podcasting a mr steve glosson so steve we're just going to jump right in it's a one-on-one well, how are you well that's me that's me <laughs> It's funny. It's almost parallel thinking. I, I was in Florida the other week and I was chilling in a hot tub and, um, and I, and I thought of my friend, Jimmy McInerney from the rebel force radio. Yes. Because, uh, back in 2015, 2016, I was privileged enough to go down with him and represent RFR with at Disney weekends. And then later on some RFR meetup stuff. And, the hotel we were staying there was uh there was a pool with a big old hot tub in another section of the pool area and we uh we found ourselves over in that general region just hanging out talking the wars sitting around in the hot tub like a like a bunch of grown children just talking the wars and stuff and so i texted him from the hot tub I'm like just thinking of you <laughs> and i said i know it sounds weird but i'm in a hot tub and it made me think of you jimmy and then that gave me this idea i'm like i want to do the hot tub geek machine and i want to have people on just for 30 minutes or so just chit-chatting about anything you know and have a more relaxed kind of thing and so i've done my first one with scott rifen and uh, it's out on my patreon and it'll be out on the next uh geek out loud episode as well and then shaz bazaar will be the next one and then i invited you but you're like i don't want to get in the hot tub with you fatty what whoa whoa you're, oh. you're throwing words in my mouth there sir. i'm sorry i'm sorry i, I would i would more than i'd be more than happy to hop yeah. into the hot tub and and do the geek machine i'm all for it um you look at if it's in the next two weeks great if it's not hit me in a month because i'll be in italy for two weeks yeah man you're headed to, you're headed out of country i am you're headed to the old country i am going back to the fatherland i guess so getting yeah. back to your roots um i guess even though i don't look like i'm from there somebody tells me my last name says i'm from there so yeah mm -hmm. i will i'll be enjoying that with my wife uh, you know steve you were down in florida in the hot tub 
my wife and I are, we never take trips unless they're with the kids or for work or something like that. Mm -hmm. And, um, we, I've pushed her along. It's our 30th anniversary this year. Wow. The lovely Mrs. Molinero turns 50 this year. And I don't tell people that. Okay. 30. She turns 30 this year. And, um, and yeah, so we, I just said, this is something we've got to do now, or I'm not sure we'll ever try it. And so we're just doing it. We're going. Good. Good. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I wish I would have planned it out even better to see some of the scenes from the prequels in there, you know, like go to mm-hmm, the scenery, mm-hmm. but just doesn't work out with the travel plans. Yeah. So, but again, going back to your hot tub, Star Wars talk, I'm in whenever you want to do it. You can there you go. hanging out, talking Star Wars or Marvel or DC with you. I'm in. So, well, what's interesting is Scott and I talked radio. Really? We just talk the radio business. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. It's like, it, it, it's like it, we, you, you kind of, the idea is just chilling and talking, you know, how you, what you're doing here. Yeah. I saw Adam Bray in that hammock. And so, <laughs> and so for a minute, I was like, I was like, Marinara stole my, stole my, stole my gig. He stole, but then I realized these are just parallel thinking. I mean, it's, it's really, it's amazing how often like the, like parallel thinking just kind of comes up amongst people because when you're trying to be creative and trying to do stuff. Yeah you know, you, there's only so many ideas out there and it's, I have to think though, that ratings on YouTube for all of us to be sitting in a hot tub together would, would be off the charts. I don't know about that. Listen, (laughs) there's a reason that I do theater of the mind, sir. I, (laughs) I am a theater of the mind kind of guy. Well, you know, it's funny. You talked about radio stuff. Um, my, my son who is now, you know, Mr. Social media and doing things with now TV and, radio and things like that all over the place um i actually worked at a local espn radio station when my son was two two and a half mm-hmm. and i got the opportunity to occasionally interview some people be on oh, air wow. and the guy who ran that that uh, espn station then now works for the colts the pacers um the the uh, you know the indiana high school association covering high school sports and he helped and got Joey going when Joey went to college to where here, here was this two-year-old kid around this guy 20 some odd years ago. And here he is going, wait wow. a minute, you're the same kid that was in the studio with your dad. And, and yeah, so it was just, sometimes things just overlap and happen like that. So, yeah, well, it's not what you know, it's who, you know. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And I know you. And so you're here. There, there you go. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> so all that to say yeah um so you were in florida did you get a chance to uh, oh first i thought you're bringing hot wings up in front of me oh, but no, i see it's I'm not sorry. hot wings no i'm just i sit <laughs> this is what i do when i'm talking i sit here and impose figures and see what i can get out of them that sort of thing understood understood um yeah. so did you go you didn't go to any of the parks anything like that it was just a no relaxing, no no we were, we were yeah we were in uh we were in a little area of florida called inglewood which is there's really nothing there. It's a, um, it's not really a touristy type place. And so we were, we were chilling on the beach and chilling in the pool, man. It's, Good. it's, it's what, look, I'm, I'm one of those people when I go on vacation, honestly, I don't want to have a lot of activity. I, I have enough activity going on in the rest of the life. So if I can go somewhere and just relax, in fact, I prefer a staycation to a vacation, Okay. lock the doors, close the blinds and just, you know, <laughs> movie marathon all week long or something but 
um yeah so it was just it was it was mainly to go just relax we didn't there was no schedule like i say where we were at was such a non-touristy kind of place that there was nothing to do but just chill on the beach so well i i have a question for you before we get in i i asked you back when you were on vacation hey steve let me break up your vacation and talk about shows um but i ask you what you know what would you want to talk about if we did a little fireside Mm -hmm. chat with the two of us and you brought up the force, the nature of the force, maybe some favorite Star Wars moments. Love all those. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to throw a curveball at you before yeah. we start into those. And this is not this is not to denigrate or belittle or anything the sequel trilogy. Mm-hmm. But I had some guests on recently. I don't know. And we were talking about it. Mm-hmm. And this was after we had watched like the icons on earth and some of the uh, light and magic stuff. Yeah. And I said, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, what new ships and what new hooks did the sequel trilogy bring in that were different from the prequels or the original mm-hmm. trilogy? Because let's face it, the entire new original trilogy was all new. And then mm-hmm. George said, we're going to go in some totally different directions and bring you something completely different. New ships, new characters, new planets, new aliens in, this, in the prequel trilogies. Right. If you sat and thought about it, mm-hmm. was there a ship? Was there a planet? Was there something besides a force dyad, which I mm-hmm. think was originally in the original trilogy? What, any of those things that stand out to you in the sequel trilogy mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that were new, that will make kids of this this genre go that's the hook that's what got me when i was seven years old and watching the sequel trilogy right well i'll tell you it's interesting because in the original trilogy you had the millennium falcon the millennium falcon was a character in and of itself mm-hmm. um in 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 those movies because of han's affection for it you know because of of it became really a character in empire strikes back you know with, with all the problems and everything um you had a big sequence that featured in the first movie, the X-Wings and the Y-Wings, and of course, TIE Fighters. You had a big sequence in the second movie that featured AT-ATs and Snowspeeders. Mm-hmm. You had a big section, a, a big, uh, yeah, a big section in the third movie that featured um, all manner, the B-Wings, the A-Wings, the yep. Y-Wings, the X-Wings, but also you got to feature the Chicken Walkers, which were seen briefly in Empire, the, the, the ATSTs. Mm-hmm and um the speeder bikes and you know and 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 the skiff the desert skiff and the sail barge you know we got to see things and yes from movie to movie well it's interesting because empire has ugnots Mm -hmm. and that's really the only alien species that you see that's noticeable in the empire strikes back outside of bosk and uh zuckus in you know on the on the on the death star on the star destroyer bridge right um but you're right those movies really pushed and progressed and 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 the whole idea was let's let the mind of course yoda was an alien too let's let you know it it was all about imagination growing and growing and growing and when you go back to the prequel trilogy there's not a millennium falcon necessarily in in the prequel trilogy uh but what you do have is you have um you have the naboo starfighters you know in that in that first one the pods in the pod racers you know was something pretty cool 
And in that scene, you know, when we're back on Tatooine, a lot of aliens, heavy alien stuff going on on Tatooine. But what George Lucas did is for every new alien we saw, there were also peppered in those things that we were familiar with, with that anchor back to the original Star Wars. Yep. So you had Rodians, you had, um, you had some Aqualish, you had some Walrus Man people, you had, you had aliens that we were familiar with, <clears throat> and then he expanded out with other aliens. Same thing in Attack of the Clones. Um, you know, Attack of the Clones really was all about the Republic gunships and the and, and and the Jedi Starfighter, and of course Slave One. You know, we got to see Slave One in action in in that mm-hmm. one sequence with Obi Wan and everything. Look, Episode Three opens up with just a feast for the eyes. You know, Arc Fighters, new Jedi Starfighters, uh, Vulture Droids, all kinds of different stuff going on there. Um, and when you get to the prequel, tri- or when you get to the sequel trilogy. You've got refurbished Star Destroyers, you know, a new, a new version of a Star Destroyer. You've got new versions of TIE Fighters. And, and nostalgia gets you through that first movie without really realizing the only new type ship that we saw was the transport for the Resistance. And it was basically a box. That's what I said. It was a sideways toaster. It's a box. Right. And and there's nothing exciting about it. There's nothing thrilling about it. There's, of course, Han's big freighter ship or whatever he's on, you know, but you don't really see what that looks like, you know. But it's also pretty much a box. It's pretty much a box. And 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 so of course with uh with 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 the last Jedi, um, you know, you got a couple of ships. They all look like the the original rebel transport ships, mm-hmm. you know. Um, there's there's nothing really new. Listen, I've said this a lot about about stuff. There's nothing in that sequel trilogy that really stands out as new and innovative kind of technology or a ship. Even the stuff on the on the planet um, with the salt and the in the red crystals at yeah. the end of the last Crate. Jedi. And I'm sorry, I know I sound like a bad Star Wars. Fan, no, no, I don't know the name Crate. of the planet. Talked man. Um, <clears throat> you know those things look promising from a if you're just watching the um the the previews then you get in the movie and they're just old pieces of junk that should not be being taken out in the battle anyway that just it's absolutely like i don't know it was real frustrating to me even the first time i watched that movie thinking we're being given nothing and then the species of aliens that we see are all new they look like something out of doctor who and there's never an alien from the original trilogy that is the mm-hmm. that is the anchor point or the alien species we know in Star Wars. So all these new aliens seem completely foreign because all you had to do there in that stupid casino scene was throw in a Bith, uh, throw in a Rodian, throw in a walrus man, you know, whatever you wanted to do, but throw in something with which we are familiar. And then those Doctor Who aliens don't look so much like Doctor Who aliens anymore. They look like they belong. Throw in a Trandoshan. Throw in Correct, something. Right. Um, an Ithorian. And, yeah, an Ithorian for sure. And so when you and so even even uh, even the Rise of Skywalker, um, the the ship that they're on on the one planet, you know, where they're running from the jet troopers, looks almost like a desert skiff. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, those aliens look. I guess they look like the special edition alien that replaced the the Wolfman. You know, um, but yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree with you. And, and like you say, we don't want to go into ripping the sequel because Lord no. knows, 
unless you just want views. No, unless, no, you know, no. Then yeah, you can no. say, then you can make the title "Fat Guy <laughs> Hates Sequel Trilogy" and <laughs> explains why. Um, get those, you know, clickbait. Um, a sequel Fat trilogy. Guy in hot tub talks about yeah. sequels. <laughs> <laughs> no, the title. The title is "Star Wars Sucks" says "Fat Guy in Hot Tub." Um. <laughs> And you'll get all kinds of clicks on that. Yeah, I'm not really. You know, but I think <clears throat> I, I, I think that that was that was one of the crippling things of the Force Awakens is there was no one with the imagination of George Lucas to direct the the set designers. I mean, Lucas would have had X wings and stuff in the Force Awakens, but he also would have had new things right. to be like oh, we can't just have a box floating through the sky we got to have something better in a box and um you know they've, they've graduated from the star destroyers now you can still see the star destroyer design but it needs to be <laughs> something a little different you know that's how he right. would be you know yep we went from we went from your standard star destroyer in a new hope of course the death star is blown up to the executor you know the super star destroyer and and they and the, there's a whole scene and, and it's quick, but it makes a big deal that this thing is overshadowing those other Star Destroyers, you know? Right. So it, it's a threat in and of itself. And I don't, I, you know, that you just, you don't really get that. They, that's one of the things about the, the Mandalorian that was, that was pretty well done is we're dropped into a scenario from the, from that first episode where there is an Aqualish or a squid head, as I mm -hmm. like to call them from the Kenner days, there is, you know, we're after some species we've never seen, but then we go out to rent the speeder to get us across the ice and we recognize the speeder. We recognize that sound. We recognize the droid, but they still look differently. Right. And, and then we, and then you get to, and listen, the razor crest, yep. that's a ship that I'm like, I swear we've seen this somewhere before, but we never really have, you know, it, it is the genius design. It fits in the star Wars universe because it looks like star wars tech it doesn't look like star trek tech or it doesn't look like babylon 5 tech it looks like star wars tech and and so we're in from the moment the mandalorian gets going because there right. is star wars familiarity so that when we get to a planet with blue shrimp we are willing to accept that because what's attacking them in the hard time a big atst right you see there's always Filoni realizes and he coached Favreau to realize you have to anchor this stuff back to the, the original source, but you can, if you do that, you can push forward. Well, even, even George, and again, we'll, we'll get, we'll get off this. It actually, like I said, it came up when, when we were having, um, uh, hyperspace heroes podcast on with us and, and we did a good, great interview with them and had a lot of fun, but it, it just, it actually wasn't even a topic of the show, but something, one of them said, just sparked it and i just said guys i have to ask you what was new and so i went to my son joey who's 29 and and i think all right joey you grew up you were the perfect age for the prequels and now you've seen the sequels and i asked him i said i grew up with the original so i i was drawn in i was hooked in by all the new and they push the envelope every time i said when you watch the prequels he said oh something new it made me as a you know Darth Maul, you could have just had a movie about Darth Maul and I'd have been hooked as a six-year-old mm -hmm. kid. Mm -hmm. And then you go, oh my gosh, now we're off doing this and Attack of the Clones with a car chase in the middle of Coruscant. You know, he was like, that just grabbed a six-year-old kid where, again, watching the icons on Earth and watching 
the light and magic kind of stuff, you're seeing people who are like, ah, prequels came out. I really didn't like that. It wasn't this. But you look back 20 years ago, 20 years later, and all the people who were six to 10 were going, mm -hmm. hey, I like that. I yeah. like the pod race. Yeah. I like Jar Jar. I like those. Oh, listen, you know, I all was, that stuff. I was 20, 22 when episode one came out. I was sitting in the theater the night after opening night. And because uh, we didn't go on opening night, I, I met some I, it, long story. But anyhow, and Anakin hits that exit ramp and comes back down and passes the bulb. And I audibly went, yes, in the theater because it fired me up. It was exciting. It was something that I thought was just absolutely super cool. As a 22-year-old dude sitting there, you know, I was bought in. Darth Maul was a character that we wanted to see more of. We were disappointed that he died. Um, you know, not to the point that I'm a prequel hater. I'm just saying like that was, I, mm -hmm. I mean, disappointed as much as like, what a, what a cool character to have been able to maybe spend some more time with, which we finally, we did get to in the Clone Wars and following. Um, the, you remember after the force awakens, there were two big topics of discussion. Who is Ray? Mm -hmm. You know, who does she belong to? And who is Snoke? You know, what's the deal with Snoke? Those were the big topics of discussion that were going around for the for the couple of years between. Right. And and Last Jedi just, I mean, honestly, it 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 crapped all over that, you know. So so the the thing is, it's like the big questions we had as Star Wars fans to discuss coming out of the Force Awakens were cut short, and so at the end of the last jedi that's why everyone fights over the merits of the last jedi a lot because there was no question that binds us all together as to well what now how do we move forward here you know because everything kind of got cut off at the knees in the name of subverting expectations i don't know that anyone came into the last jedi expecting to have every question answered no. that we'd had from the force awakens but we expected to move forward in the story and not have the story cut off at the knees and and I think that as as we as we move forward in time, I will say, what seven years removed now from The Force mm -hmm. Awakens, I don't know that that movie has aged as well as the prequels have. The prequels got. I remember the ten year anniversary of uh, the Phantom Menace, and how there were a lot of people who were like, "Oh, I hate the you know that that prequel hate had died down a little bit." Because you start to have people who were having kids and watching mm -hmm. it and seeing it through their kids' eyes and realizing this isn't as bad as I remembered it. I just wanted something different. I don't know that The Force Awakens is going to have that same um, kind of renaissance. I think that as time moves on, people are going to see more and more and more of the cracks in those movies. I'm amazed when I hear people talk about how great The Last Jedi is because of all the world building and the universe building it does when I'm like, no, it tore down a universe. It destroyed a universe, you know, and, and it's unfortunate that you can't have, you can't have a conversation now that is critical of the, the sequel trilogy without people's personal politics or, or social ideas coming into the fray. Because it, when I walked out of the last Jedi, my issue, I remember I talked, I was talking to my friend Derek from Starkville House of Hell. We've been friends for a while. And, and, and I said, I'm kind of tired of seeing my heroes die at this point. Because in this generation yep. of, of, of nostalgia bait type films and movies, 
it's like we can't do anything but either make your hero a, a deadbeat loser who's made only bad decisions since the one good decision they made or kill them, kill them all. Yep. you know and and i'm kind of tired of that i'm like why can't why why did han and leia have to have a a a mm, yeah you know a, a divide between them why did they have to go their separate ways why you know i i understand what makes tension between them tension that lasted five minutes we got a five minute scene with those two and the and you're done you know and then he dies right um why not you know why and i understand you know like i can understand the reasonings and everything but why once carrie fisher had passed away a good amount of time before the release of the last jedi what all you have to do is not put the effect that causes luke to disappear you can play everything else the same way, but he just doesn't have to disappear at the end. He could stand up from that rock and be like, you know, now it's time to go to work for real. Right. And so the rise of Skywalker would open with him. You know, what if, what if the rise of Skywalker mm. was less about them on a quest Goonie style looking for this wayfinder <laughs> and more about Luke, joining up with with ray like when we see ray doing her training at the end of her run there is yeah. luke standing there and and you know and he's like and and he's the one that is now in a race to get to exegol and 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 it's and he is killed how about this luke is killed by the emperor before it's all said and done by this super powerful emperor now who is who has sucked up the the energies of ray or whatever he's doing and all the sith legions that are there and uh and luke goes in a little headstrong and and ray comes in and wins the day would i be a little irritated by that of course i would but we would have got to see more of luke and we would have got to see a luke that wasn't someone right, i right. i still maintain that if luke skywalker at 20 something looked at one of the most evil men in the galaxy and said there's good in you he's not going to stand over the bed of his nephew and think maybe i should kill him and and that's kind of and, and i'm sorry that's that you you cannot convince me that that is a natural progression for that character and 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 if you watch the 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 propaganda behind the scenes stuff for the last jedi mark hamill's pretty clear that he never really yeah. agreed mark hamill should have gotten an oscar for the last jedi because he acted like he actually believed that character would do that it it is amazing and i know and and i'll i'll cut it short here because i don't want to make it to where it's all sequel stuff but i will say the the interview that came up and popped up where ryan johnson was talking about how proud you know five years later he was of the last jedi when it was brought up where mark hamill was saying hey i play mark i play luke skywalker this is not what luke skywalker would do and he said yeah that's it you play him you're not him you're mark hamill you know was kind of the 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 tone that it came off as but yeah but and how disrespectful <laughs> you know how that's look that'd be like telling christopher reeves you're not superman i don't i don't want to i don't want to i don't want to i don't i don't want to, okay i have something to say there i have something to say about that okay christopher reeve uh before he passed away um made an appearance made two appearances on a show called smallville back in the early 2000s smallville was about a young clark kent learning about his powers learning where he was from um, learning how to become the man who would be Superman. Mm -hmm. We never is now, it's not a Superboy show. It's a Clark Kent show. Um, 
Christopher Reeve plays uh, in, in that series. He plays um, an astronomer. Well, he's really a, a billionaire philanthropist kind of guy that, that becomes a recluse and, and devotes all his time to astronomy after he receives a signal the day that Clark basically comes to Earth in this meteor shower. And when he realizes, when he tracks down and, and realizes who Clark is through a series of events, he basically sends Clark a message that only Clark can read because it's in Kryptonian. And so Clark goes to New York to this observatory to meet with him. And so you have the, the new guy who plays Clark Kent standing mm -hmm. there with Christopher Reeve. And Christopher Reeve basically is the one who gives Clark Kent the name Krypton, Jor-El, um, you know, all these different things that have the Krypton is destroyed. And it's this really cool moment. They even play the John Williams Superman theme in the midst of it and John Williams music. And it's this really just beautiful thing. And, and so this is in the early 2000s, like 2002, 2003. And, um, and so what's going on. So, so what WB does at the time and, and the Smallville team is they release some stuff and there's some stuff on the DVDs where Tom Welling, who played Clark Kent, was talking about Christopher Reeve and working with Christopher Reeve. And that Christopher Reeve was telling him, well, you know, Superman does this, and then he does this, and this is what happens here. And Tom was like, I didn't grow up reading Superman. So I'm like, you've got to stop. you got to stop. I don't need to know this. I like my performance to be untouched by knowledge of what's coming down the road. Mm -hmm. and, and But Christopher Reeve, even in, in the state that he was in, he was wheelchair-bound, paralyzed, right. all that stuff, still was an ambassador for that character you know, um, and, 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 and what an ambassador he was, he never, you know, and I'm sorry, there's no other Luke Skywalker, correct. You know, no one else outside of a little boy in, in at the end of the Obi-Wan Kenobi series has played Luke Skywalker. And so if I'm a writer director and the guy who has been Luke Skywalker for 20, 30 years, says, I don't think this is what Luke would do because it's not like Mark <laughs> Hamill went to those sets, right? I'm right. sorry. It's, it's not like Mark Hamill went to those sets, read the script and said, okay, George, I'll say these lines and, and, and draw the emotions. Mark Hamill talks about sitting on the side with George and digging into what this story is about and who these characters are about and what's going on there. Mark Hamill, I'm sorry. He did not just play Luke Skywalker. He had a fundamental understanding of who that character is. And so when he says, I fundamentally disagree with the choice of this character, Ryan Johnson should have perked up and listened because someone who knows more than him and has been around longer than him says this. And Ryan Johnson should have listened and said, you know what? You're right. And I'm sorry. I know that there's fandom that's so divided by this thing, but the one thing you can talk to me about how good a character Rose Tico is. You can tell me how great Ray is. You can talk to me about all these things. And I'll say, you know what? Yes, let's have those discussions back and forth and have fun. But the one thing that you can never convince me of without some stupid idea of, of like, well, it's, it's past Luke's time, is that this individual who stood down evil with love in his heart yep. stood over the bed of his sleeping nephew considering for a moment, maybe I should just kill him because there's darkness inside of him. That is not what he would do. The whole point of Return of the Jedi is that Obi-Wan and Yoda were wrong, that yep. there was another way than just killing Vader, that there was a way to bring him back, that the dark side is not all powerful, that the darkness can be defeated by light. And when Ryan Johnson put that in The Last Jedi, suddenly 
the darkness is not defeated by light. The darkness has to be defeated by someone who saw Endgame. Oh, wow. Um, so I will tell you, we, this leads into the force discussions that I, that I'm sorry, I wanted yes. to say. No, no, no. But I know we're just doing a nice little hour-long mm -hmm. I'm show. I'm sorry. Here. I get no, so no, no, fired no. up about no, it. I, I'm I, sorry. I, no, this is good because it's made me think of something. And and if it's okay, I mean, if we hit more of the force stuff, we will. But it's it's got me thinking about this. How much are movies affected by society in general? Mm. And I say that because 20, 30 years ago, I can guarantee you they would have never let this happen to Luke Skywalker. Well, in, today's society, in, in, in the post-Trump world mm -hmm. and with yeah. social media, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is why we have Luke Skywalker the way he ended up in this movie. I, I think that's part of it. I do think that's part of it. I think I, I also think that here's the thing I do listen, the studio system has always been beholden to who they think the audience is going to be. And so that's why you have screenings and test audiences and that sort of thing. And, and there are movies that have been changed on, on the, you know, on mm -hmm. because of the, what test audiences say about it. I, you think of first blood, um, you know, the, the original the, in the book, and in the movie, at the end of the first blood, John Rambo kills himself in that police station. And in the original cut of the movie, he killed himself. And people in test screening said, we hate that. You know, this guy went through hell. He deserves some type of hope at the end, you know. And, um, you know, he, get, he needs to get his day in court. And so they changed the ending. And because of that, we got the glory that was first blood part two, you know, Rambo first blood part two. And, and the much maligned, but really better than people think it is Rambo three. And then the absolutely just should not exist, but I'm so glad it does Rambo. And then the, what in the world just happened here, John Rambo, you know? Um, but it, it's, it's kind of the thing of like, um, you know, it, it takes a movie, it, but star Wars and, and those original six films, regardless of how much money they made and regardless of how much money they cost are the ultimate independent films. There was no studio telling George Lucas, you must right. do this, this way, this way, or this way. When, and, and I feel like Kathleen Kennedy tried to give Ryan Johnson the same freedom for whatever reason. Um, he had, he, you know, he knew where bodies were buried or something. And, and it's almost like he got no notes whatsoever about anything. Um, but I also, it's weird. Movies are not made in a vacuum. You're right. Uh, but I do think there is a culture today and a culture that are making the movies that oftentimes there is a response to what has gone on in, in society. And I'll say this, I grew up as a pastor's kid all my life being in the church and being in conservative Christian circles and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And I will tell you this, there's, I cannot think of one Christian movie that I ever enjoyed. And the reason is, is because the Christian movies were always made with a message in mind. So acting didn't matter. Uh, music didn't matter. You know, cinematography didn't matter. As long as we were able to get the message across, that's, right. that's what matters. And the minute you put the message over the art, the art is going to suffer in the same way. If you put art over the message, the message is going to suffer. So it really comes down to creators having to decide what matters the most as I'm putting this out. 
Is there a message I want to get across? Is there a message I want to portray? And in the last Jedi, it, it's interesting. There's, there's not really a, a message there other than star Wars is stupid and I hate everything about it. And so I want to destroy it. That's really the message that comes across because when you get to the rise of Skywalker and Abrams is trying to put all the pieces back together, what you end up with is this beautiful little mess that is an homage to, to eighties adventure movies. You know, they do something they never did in a star Wars movie. They go on a quest basically, mm -hmm. you know, with the wayfinder stuff and all that good stuff. Um, when you get to the end, it truly, truly is at the end, lazy writing because someone saw end game. And so you have Poe saying, it's all over, my friends. I'm sorry. And then what comes through the radio? It's not over, Poe. We're here. Now, listen, in the moment, I loved that. And I still get chills thinking about sitting in front of this huge screen and all of these ma this, this just massive fleet of ships showing up to save the galaxy, banding together to back up the rebellion and destroy the empire once and for all. Absolutely love it. And then as Ray stands down the emperor, who should not have come back, by the way, but that's neither here nor there. What else are you going to do? We've killed Snoke. We've destroyed all the threats in the galaxy. So when he's like, I am all the Sith, you know, and she says, I am Iron Man. No, she says, and I am all the Jedi. I'm like, somebody saw it on the glove. And yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. basically the same thing. Gives her life until Kylo Ren comes. And, and this is what I thought was going to be funny. I'm like, so they're basically going to die raising each other from the dead back and forth. And this is now their eternity is <laughs> sitting here on the side of this mountain. Um, but you did have what, what I saw in fandom that was really disturbing was um, not people liking the films. That's fine. That's their business. What I saw were people who decided they wanted the movie to go one way. And if it didn't, they got really nasty and ugly. And that's on both sides of liking or disliking the movie. I don't, I don't begrudge anyone for liking the movie. I'm confused by it. And I'd like to have a good, I'd like to have a, a casual discussion with someone. If, but even I have a hard time keeping my passion in check, as you can see. Yeah, um, yeah. Cause it is a passion. Yeah. But, but I think that, I, I think that um, you have, you have the Raylos and we mm -hmm. dealt with these in Smallville fandom when people wanted to, when people wanted a couple to get together and you disagreed with that, boy, they'd get ugly about it. And I mean, like hatefully ugly, like vengefully ugly. And now that everyone's learned that they can destroy your life with social media, the things they'll do, oh, yeah. the stuff they put Adam Driver through was just, and I don't know why no one talks about that. Everyone talks about these, these, I don't want to get you in trouble. Everyone talks about other things that supposedly happen on social media, but no one ever talks about the people who stalked and 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 did hateful things with adam driver and even his wife like you know because they expected him to be kylo ren like to me the crazy people are the people who say the, these relationships these fictitious relationships are so important i'm going to pour my whole life into it you know um i i've look you can see behind me there's a painting of luke a painting of darth vader you can mm -hmm. kind of see star wars figures on the wall over here you can also see Transformers over my shoulder, Marvel yep. Legends figures on the shelf. I, you know, this, gotcha. this is this is the room that I'm in is is basically a a monument to my childhood in many ways. Um, but here's the thing: if Star Wars is gone tomorrow, yeah, Star Wars is gone. You know, I go on with my life, but I'm you know, and and I'm afraid that more than more than society and society's issues 
running the way that movies and stuff are made and entertainment is done, I'm afraid that a lot of people are living too vicariously through the entertainment they consume. Uh, you know, it's one thing to have fun discussions like this and just view this as an outlet and, and have a good time. It's another thing I, I'm afraid when people are so consumed with this stuff that look, and I'm, I'm not picking on any one group or the other fandom. And I, and I don't, I don't mean this this way, but there, there in no world should there be such a thing as an adult Quidditch league. Um, <laughs> there just shouldn't, you know, I'm sorry. Uh, th there's no such thing as Hogwarts. You're not Hufflepuff, Ravenclaw, Slytherin, or Gryffindor. You're not, I'm sorry. You, it's fun to imagine. It's fun to play sure. make-believe, but we have a whole generation and the part of my generation that has gotten so caught up in all the make-believe stuff. And it's become so prevalent in the pop culture that the real world has become this thing that people don't want to really deal in. And, and to me, that's more troubling because the real world is hard sometimes. It is. And what people do when the real world doesn't turn out the way they want it to, that they go off and they go crazy and they get really upset and they go, they just do batty things. And it's like, we all have to come back to this real world. You know, I, 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 I'm, 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 that's where I'm concerned that society has gone is that there's too much investment in some of these things. And I say that as a man who's very invested, you know what I mean? Agreed. I'm, I'm, I mean, if people are watching on YouTube, they see the back behind you back behind me. There's plenty of things that we're invested in right yeah. here. So, so let me, yeah. so let me do this. Let me, let me take yeah. what I just said and spin off into a quick discussion of the force. Cause I know that, yeah. that we're on, a, we're on a time crunch. My, my friend Shaz Bazaar and I, we did, uh, for, for my geek out loud Patreon, we did a, a thing we called forceology, which is basically, and it's on hiatus right now because of it really a couple of years ago when the pandemic hit, we both got so busy having to do online stuff for our church that any of our podcast stuff really suffered for it because we had to do what mattered most first. Right. Um, but we started with, uh, the release order. We went in release order of the movies. And we basically said, this is going to be like a, a college course on the force. And so what we did is 101 is the, the original trilogy. You know, the 100 level courses are the original sure. trilogy. And so 101 is a new hope. It's Star Wars. And what do we learn about the force from that? And what can we take away? And it was really hard to just keep it in the confines of that two hour film, you know, because we know what comes next. We know what happens before we know, but we have to just take what is said about the force. And there's really in that movie, one scene where anything is really said about the force and that's between Obi-Wan and Luke. Right. And so we begin to have to break that down, you know, and, and we begin to break down what it means when he says, you know, it controls your actions and Obi-Wan says partially, but it also obeys your commands. It's an energy field that, you know, surrounds us and penetrates us, binds the galaxy together. Um, and, and we begin to discover what the force is through that. And one of the things that we kept coming back to was this idea of the force flowing and the flowing of the force and how the force flows through you. Right. And, and, and when you're talking about something flowing, you're talking about something with current, something with motion, something moving. And the Jedi were people who went with the flow of the force. They allowed the force to flow. And so they would tap into, 
Qui-Gon would have said the will of the force, you know, that we, we kind of came to the idea that the force isn't really sentient, but it is, it is a force that literally flows and directs the Sith want to dam up that flow. They want to control the flow. They want to change the course of the flow. And so as the Sith came into power, the force is out of balance because the flow is off. And, and, and so that's why the Jedi, as the Sith were coming to power, were, were their power in the force was diminishing and all that stuff. And, and I think that, you know, it's, it's kind of a Buddhist idea in some ways. It's a very, you know, if you want to get real world about it, it's, it's kind of Zenish. But at the same time, I think there is something we can practically take from that. And the idea is this, is that things happen, life happens. And, and, and if we get too bent out of shape about our way or the things we want, then you're going to find yourself out of balance. You're going to find your situation out of balance, but instead we have to let, let it flow. You know, there, there is a flow and a movement mm-hmm. to life and, 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 um, and look, I, I've already said I'm a conservative Christian, grew up that way. I maintain that stance in my life. I have beliefs where I do believe that I don't think God is like the force. I think that, that God is, is omnipotent, omniscient, all that good stuff, you know, that there is, there is true consciousness and, and, and knowledge there. And so there is a will that I'm supposed to be surrendered to. With the force, it's not so much as surrendering yourself to the will, but learning as it's flowing, how it's flowing, so that it can control, partially control your actions, but also obey your commands, because you're not trying to go against the flow of the Mm -hmm. force, you're rolling with it. Therefore, because of your sensitivity to the force, you can leap higher, run faster, have quicker reflexes, know what's happening in the moment, that sort of thing. And, um, and, and, and I think that to tie it back to what I was originally talking about, that there are a lot of Star Wars fans who need to turn the Sith down a little bit and turn up the Jedi <laughs> no, and, and, and let the force flow. Well, and, and <clears throat> because we were going to talk about this, I, I, you know, Mr. Mr. Real Nerd, I was taking there all kinds go. of notes. I was show prepping. Um, mm-hmm. And I agree with you. The, the main part of the force discussion in A New Hope was that. But then you saw another powerful person in the force say don't be too proud of this technological terror you've constructed the mm-hmm. ability to destroy a planet is insignificant, insignificant. next to the next power, to the of, the power of the force yeah and you're thinking here is this guy who when we first see this movie we think is the ultimate evil and he's telling us the same thing that's going on with luke right. and obi-wan yeah blowing up a planet doesn't even it doesn't even mean a, a hill of but what's his that. but what's his mindset there <clears throat> His mindset is the mindset of a Sith. It's all yep. about power, unlimited power. So Vader, <laughs> Vader is looking, he's like, look, yeah, we can blow up a planet. That's nothing compared to the power of the force. Right. And, and, and we've seen Vader wield the force in very terrifying, powerful ways. You know, since then we've, we've had some neat stuff through Disney uh, star Wars to, to show us that the end of rogue one, the, you know, stuff in Obi-Wan. Yep. Um, but yeah, you're right. And that, and I think that's kind of the idea is like, this is a powerful force, for lack of a better term, force to, to be tapped into. But the Jedi were never seeking power, truly, truly, truly. Now, the, someone who wants to come along and kind of twist what the Jedi were doing would say, well, they, of course they wanted power. Why else were they doing? But what was their motivation? The Jedi's motivation was always defense and knowledge. Mm-hmm. Never attack, never authority. They didn't want to control anybody or anything. 
and that was part of their downfall. You know, they, they became too complacent in that. So, so you talked about <clears throat> turning down the Sith and turning up the Jedi, mm -hmm. but there's also a third wheel in that, a third component of it. When Han says, kid, I I've flown from one side of the galaxy to the other. I've seen a lot of strange stuff, but I've never seen anything to make me believe there's one all-powerful force, you know, controlling sorry, everything. My dog, everything, you know, there's no, there's no mystical force field, you know, controlling my actions, right? Yeah. 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 So I think he says controlling my destiny. Yeah. yeah. Controlling my destiny. Yeah. It's all a bunch of, of, uh, simple tricks and nonsense. nonsense. Right. Yeah. And, and I wrote it down, even though I know it, but I didn't want right. to mess it up and I still messed sure. it up. Um, but, but I think again, going back to your thoughts on force 101 and a forceology, you could all, almost start putting, groups of people in society into those three sure. groups sure. that are yeah, being explained yeah. in that simple movie. And at the time, George Lucas was building this, trying to give a, a dark time in the U.S., a dark time in society, something morally good to look at. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so it's it just, it's amazing to me that those still kind of, if you played that movie now and looked at society and then, yeah. I think it's really cool how that works Well, out. you had, you had, you had Han, the atheist, you know, yep. agnostic at best. You had Luke, who was the bright-eyed, like, yeah, I'll take anything you got, you know. <laughs> you had Obi-Wan, who was the old wise and man who'd seen a lot of stuff. And you had the guy who perverted all the good, you know, in Darth Vader. He perverted what was good and and used it for his own own means. So yeah, you had all manner of society there in 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 that. And but in the end, the good guys won. You know, and, and I think, and, and George has said, look, what George Lucas gave us, and I'm repeating what everyone has said, but what George Lucas gave us in the 70s and 80s was not just entertainment. It was not just a series. It was a, it was an, it was a mythology for America. Correct. Um, and I, and I know the Star Wars is worldwide. Okay. It was a mythology for modern humanity. How about that? Right. You know, it, it was meant to be the new mythology. And there's a reason it was made with kids in mind because kids needed a happy ending. Kids needed the, the moral of, you know, the morality of, of the, let's look for the good in people. Let's uh, let's fight for the good of everyone. Let's do what is right rather than what is selfish. And right. I think it's amazing that Lucas tapped into through the prequels then what the real heart of the Sith is all about. It's about selfishness, you know, and, and even, even Anakin says it in episode two, but I don't know that he really buys into it. You know, he's like, well, the Jedi are selfless, you know, we're not, we're not seeking our own, but, but the, you know, compassion is, is what the Jedi is supposed to be about, mm -hmm. which I would call love, you know, but Anakin's problem is, is he never got over his selfishness. He, Anakin never got over what Anakin wanted. Right. Anakin was so, hell bent on getting what he wanted that he missed out on on the on the joy of self-sacrifice and selflessness and to really truly be the hero he wanted to be anakin missed out on that on all that he dreamed of because he could not let go of all that he dreamed of and so and the truth of it is is the opposite of love is not hate the opposite of love is selfishness and when one is selfish, they're mm. going to find that though they have worked so hard to have everything they want, that eventually it, it's going to leave them wanting because there's no, you know, in the end, selfishness never really does anything for us. And that's one of the things that I think that society has missed too mm. from these films. 
we've made it all about self-fulfillment and self-actualization rather than the actualization of others and the building up and lifting up of others. And, and so even with someone like Ray, you know, Ray is a fun character and there's a lot of, a lot of places she could go and, and could have gone, but like Ray is so wrapped up in herself the entire time, even into rise of Skywalker, you know, she's, she's really wrapped up in herself. Luke had to get out, out of that mode after empire. You know what I mean? Right. When we get to return of the Jedi, Luke is not so much wrapped up in self as he is his father and, and, and the light that he sensed there, you know, it's, it's just, it's interesting because Luke is, is ready. Honestly, at the end of the empire strikes back, when Vader says, join me and together we can rule the galaxy and end this destructive conflict. We can bring order to the galaxy. Luke looks at him and he looks down below him and Luke chooses death over evil. He chooses death over selfishness because he realizes in that moment, there's a there's a bit of maturity that hits him that says, I will not be a pawn mm -hmm. in this game. And, and he, and he lets himself go. In that moment, everything that that little farm kid, I was going to Tashi Station to pick up some power converters. That kid is gone. That kid is absolutely out of here. You and know, from that moment when he doesn't die, right then when his when his father reaches back out to him, you can see it switch. That now, like you said, his whole plan is not. I'm here to defeat him. I'm not here. He's now flipped the switch to. My goal is to save him. Right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and, and, two, that, and then that starts and, at the end of the empire. Yeah, yeah. Invader is invaders pissed at that point, you know, <laughs> like the original before the special editions, the original, you know, Vader's just walking with purpose. And he's like, bring my ship. You know, now he's like, prepare my Star Destroyer to prepare for my arrival. I wish they would just let bring my ship. Um, but he there's that moment where he stares down and looks and 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 David Prowse, God bless him, you know, did such a good job of behind the mask acting because you could see the shock even behind the mask of what did this kid just do? Mm -hmm. So that when you get to Return of the Jedi and they're on that gantry talking and they have that amazing conversation where he says, I've, I've accepted the truth. You were once Anakin Skywalker, my father. And Vader says, that name no longer has any meaning for me. And he says, it's the only name of your true self, the one you've only forgotten. You know, and he's like, I know they're still good in you. I can sense the conflict, you know, come with me. Help. And he's like, it's too late for me. Like there is disappointment and sadness in Vader's voice when he says it's too late for me, son. Um, and then, and, but then with all the conflict raging inside of him, he turns it, he shuts it back down real quick. And he says, the emperor will show you the true meaning of power. And Luke says, then my father is truly dead. And as Luke leaves, as they take him up, what does Vader do? He walks over to the rail and he just leans there for a minute. You know, mm -hmm. that discussion took something out of him. So when Vader walks in that throne room with Luke, Vader is in turmoil. He is, he is struggling. You know, Anakin is like rising to the surface because all of the regret, all of the hate, everything that he had become is, is melting away in the knowledge of this is my son because Anakin never had that. He never had right. the family, but that's what he always wanted. And so you think back, like, here's the thing. It's an amazing thing to consider. And I know that this all came after, but when you watch as before the whole no stuff is thrown in on the Blu-ray, <laughs> when you watch as, as Emperor is shocking Luke, you know, he's for, and Vader turns to the Emperor and he turns to Luke and he turns to the Emperor and he turns to Luke. 
with the with the added value and yes value of the prequels what's going through vader's mind in that moment you know anakin you know is is remembering shmi mm -hmm. he's remembering padme he's laughing with obi-wan he's remembering ahsoka mm. and now all that he ever wanted <clears throat> is right there being killed by this man who right. has only his entire life manipulated him and 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 worked against him and his own selfish needs so what's he supposed to do let his son die for power mm. no power doesn't matter anymore all that matters is his little boy that he never got to know sitting there writhing in pain and agony and he's going to bring that to an end and anakin returns that's the return of the jedi anakin returns destroys the emperor vader is dead the sith are gone the rule of two has been broken and 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 the galaxy is saved because love won the day love I won love the it. day that is the most that is the only thing more powerful than the force steve glossin i tell you what this is for anybody who's listening tonight, this is why you should do the forceology that he's going to start back up and do lesson 101 through one through whatever. We've got, well, um, we've got to the Clone Wars <laughs> season four, I think we've got to, well, I think we're in season okay. five is, is where we'll pick back up. That's all in the Patreon stuff. Well, it has been a pleasure. I know we wanted to keep it short. We've got some other things to do here yes. later, but I appreciate it, guys. Check out Geek Out Loud. Make sure you're, you're paying Please. attention to that. You're subscribed to it, everything like that. Steve, thank you for being a part of this chat. You, I'm buddy. sorry we didn't have a hot tub for you. That's fine. Um, next I do time. like a hot tub. And, <laughs> and when I get back from Italy, I am in for your hot tub discussion. Sounds good, uh, buddy. But anyway, uh, that's it for this little fireside chat here with Mr. Steve Glosson. And until next time, may the force be with you.